the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. podcast hi everybody we are back and busy (laughs) i hate that we have been so busy but we have been yeah plus covid life i know a lot's been happening for us hey so much has been happening so neither of us have still caught covid but both of our housemates have had it yes and we've managed to somehow not get it superhuman what can you say (laughs) pretty much jesus And so humble. So true. That's right. No, there's been a lot happening. I mean, traveling interstate and mm. weddings and life and busyness and camps and all sorts of things all have been going on. So things. it's been a shame we haven't been able to get on. But you know what? We prioritize our health. And if mm. something goes on, we're like, you know what? Just not this week. And that's okay. So yeah. life's been happening, but it's been great. We are excited to be back, aren't we, Sophie? We are so excited. But you have just been in Brisbane for a wedding. Yes. And you got to catch up with some really good friends. Oh, the best of yeah. friends. I love them. I lived in Brisbane in 2018 um, and got to go to my friend's wedding, Talitha so Brown. <laughs> Um, there was a funny joke at the reception about her last name being Brown. <laughs> Shout out to you, Tal. Um, yeah, it was a really great time. Really, really fun. So fun. But it's exciting to be back in this chair yeah. with this, you know, mic in front of my face. Yeah. <laughs> Ready well, to talk new things. New things. What sort of new things are we talking about? <gasps> new creation things. How exciting. Very exciting. This episode, we are going to be unpacking new creation. Mm. So this is our final episode in our new creation series yes. that has been kickstarted since Easter. And yes, we're in June, but um, <laughs> we're very excited to be kind of finishing and wrapping up this uh, storyline and this narrative. And so last episode, we unpacked this idea around the unhelpful language we often use when it comes to heaven and the mm. afterlife and our soul. This phrase that we hear, you know, you're your soul needs to be saved so you can go to heaven when you die. And how a lot of that thinking really stems from Greek philosophy and not Christianity. Sorry if that was a bit controversial for some of you. It's pretty heavy hitting. Um, and we unpacked that most people actually think the Christian imagination of what comes next is heaven. And mm. heaven looks like harps and angels singing shout to the Lord and fluffy clouds. And it's a one day in our future kind of thing. Totally, totally. And I think... Um, I don't know. I just don't find that overly exciting. Like Mm. that to me isn't a picture that makes me think I want to be there. Sometimes I look Mm. at that and go, actually life on earth now looks better than singing shout to the Lord for all eternity. (laughs) Like no offense, Darlene, great (laughs) song, but like, I just, I, I like my life on earth. And so Mm -hmm. we landed by saying that maybe more helpful language about our future destiny would be that all of creation, including us as embodied humans, get caught up in God's saving and reconciling work mm. and that we're going to dwell with God forever in his renewed and restored creation. And that is what we're talking about today. Absolutely. And so if heaven is kind of unhelpful language we use to describe where we go after we die and we realize and understand that what we call heaven is not actually our final resting place, but it's an intermediate state where we're mm. actually awaiting Jesus' return for him to come and set yeah. all things right. Then our final place of existence, our final resting place is what we can call new creation. Yeah. Um, and this is what we get in Revelation 21. Yes. That when Jesus comes back, he's going to set all things right. He'll bring judgment and he will usher in this new creation. That this is where we move from this era that we're living in right mm-hmm. now into this new and restored era. Yeah. So we're going to attempt to use the best language that we have to talk about Mm -hmm. new creation. But the thing is, 
this part of the story hasn't happened yet. We are living before mm. new creation. Yep. And so, of course, we're going to hold all of our ideas and all of our imagining of what comes next with humility mm. because every single person who has ever tried to guess when the <laughs> end is coming or said this is exactly what it's going to look like, like it hasn't come true. Seriously? And so we just want to be a little bit humble um, and hold our ideas lightly. But at the same time, all of our ideas of what, what comes next – from Revelation, mm. which is this mm-hmm. like weird, wacky, apocalyptic literature that mm-hmm. uses all of this imagery and symbolism. Yeah. And all of that actually invites us to engage our imaginations about what comes next. Mm. And so today we're going to do some imagining together. Ooh. And the first question, the first thing I want us to imagine or to kind of wrestle with, and this is a question for you, Emma, what do you think most Christians have in mind about what's going to happen at the end, like what events or signs or things are going to happen at the end of time. Seriously, the first thing that comes to mind is like, well, everyone goes up. Yeah. The rapture <laughs> yes. happens, yep. um, our clothes and life is left down here and we just float up, up, yep. up, up into the clouds. Um, and so I think the rapture is something that mm, yep. is a picture that is around. Yeah, so you get like that bumper sticker that's like, in case of the rapture, this vehicle will be unmanned. Or like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a reel that. on Instagram where a mum has like dressed her kids in the morning and then gone out and the dad wants to play a prank on her. So takes the kids <laughs> out of their clothes and leaves them in piles uh, around the house and then they hide and she gets home and freaks out that the rapture has happened <laughs> and that she's been left behind. <laughs> poor mum. Yeah, so As brutal. if she needs any more stress in her life <laughs> thinking yes. the rapture's happened. But anyway, the rapture is just a huge picture that we yes. get. We also get like the Antichrist. Yeah. Yep. Like... And we can talk about the fact that that's not even in the book of Revelation. Um, You know, you get the classic false prophets, all the earthquakes and the diseases and all that. Like I remember when COVID first started (laughs) and I saw this meme of this this lady like kind of crouching down and squinting. And the the caption was me looking out my window every day, seeing what chapter of Revelation we're up to. (laughs) And I was like, no joke. Actually, it's this idea of like disease and earthquakes and what's Mm. coming and what are the signs? Yep. I genuinely overheard a conversation the other day of a couple of people saying that like COVID and the, you know, disease and um, earthquakes mm, and fires mm. and floods are the signs that we are now like Jesus is coming back really soon. And if churches aren't teaching on revelation in that way, they're doing wrong by their communities. And I was like, wowzers. Okay. Hokey sailors. Yep. <clears throat> That's crazy. Yeah, it really is. So, yeah. um, I mean, I'm not going to address all of them cause we would literally be here all day, but a couple of the big ones that always come up when I ask this question, the first is the antichrist mm. and people for some reason conflate or confuse the antichrist with like the beast in revelation mm-hmm. and the mark of the beast. The antichrist is not actually in revelation. Mm. Antichrist is in uh, John's letters. So 1 John, 2 John, and he's not actually talking about a single figure, Satan, mm. the beast. It's actually in the plural. It's antichrists. And he's literally, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's literally talking about people who are opposed to Jesus or anti-Jesus <laughs> and therefore antichrist. And there are a lot of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Literally anyone who opposes Jesus wow. is yeah. an antichrist or antichrists. And so, Dude, um, that's insane. Yeah. So we probably just need to like go back to the Bible, make sure we're seeing things, not even just in their, like, in their socio-historic <laughs> context, but like in the books or letters that they're actually in. Totally. Yes, yes, Um, yes. So Antichrist, not in Revelation. Let's not get all of that confused. But the idea of the rapture, oh my gosh, um, this one comes up always Mm -hmm. when I teach on this stuff. Uh, It's actually a pretty new idea. 
it's only existed for the last 50 or so years, maybe a little bit longer. Oh, um, wow. Maybe about since the 1950s, so maybe about the last 70 years. Mm. Um, and it became really famous in the United States because of a guy called Tim LaHaye who wrote a book series that got turned <laughs> into a movie series called Left Behind. Oh, dear. And so, and it, it's like, it's fiction. And so the idea of the rapture had kind of existed a little bit before then, but Uh he popularized it. America, like the United States, caught hold of this (laughs) fiction book that he had written. (laughs) And then it's come over into Australia and we've accepted it as biblical. That's hilarious. That's so classic. Is that not just the pattern of everything ever? Classic Australia. We're like, oh, America did this really cool thing. Exactly. And classic America too, right? But like, it devastates me because it actually goes against the whole trajectory of the biblical narrative totally like from the very beginning from page one yeah it has a, been a story of a god who comes down yeah. to dwell yes. with his people yes. so god walks with adam and eve in the garden he meets moses in the burning bush like with um like all throughout but even before moses and then you've got the tabernacle and the temple yeah, where god's god presence is you know yeah. there and then you've got jesus who's literally dwelling, god in flesh dwelling with humans yeah, yeah. dwelling with us and then you've got the holy spirit at pentecost coming down and making <laughs> humans the living temple yeah and so the the direction is always god come down and then at the end we flipped that and we've said (laughs) we're just gonna go we're gonna go up and we're gonna escape this place but god has always Uh come down and not wanted to escape this place like to the point where jesus came and literally like lived among us so Mm. i just find that really really strange that we've flipped the end of the story and the trajectory has completely shifted and changed and Mm. it's based on two passages they're interpreted pretty badly um we could unpack them probably not got a huge amount of time to do that in this podcast so if you are interested in another podcast you can let us know we can unpack it more but there's a passage in matthew 24 where the phrase left behind is actually used Mm. and jesus there's two workers in a field and jesus says like one will be left behind and one will be taken up Mm -hmm. what's really interesting though is again we flipped the imagery because the one who gets left behind is actually the righteous one yeah sure and so we say the righteous go up but actually in the narrative the way jesus is telling the story the righteous one is the one that stays Stays and the unrighteous is the one that is taken away or goes so that's really interesting the other is um from thessalonians 1 thessalonians uh 4 and it's this image of us being caught up with Mm. um with jesus in the clouds and what's actually going on in, in that passage is Paul's using imagery um, that existed from when uh, an emperor, a Roman emperor, would come into someone's town and um, people would get caught up in the crowds and they would go out to meet the emperor and then they would welcome him into their mm, town. Yeah. And so it's the same kind of picture where we get caught up uh-huh. in the clouds to meet Jesus. And then the question is, do we turn around, like do a 180, like Jesus is coming down to meet with us, we go up to meet him halfway and then he turns around and we go up to heaven with him or are we actually going out to meet him to usher him in? Whoa. Oh, whoa. Okay, yeah. cool picture. Yeah. So people have taken it to mean that we get caught up, we go up to meet Jesus in the sky and then we, and then we turn around and go up to heaven together. Yeah. But actually it's a picture of the way people welcomed Welcome Roman emperors in into the their town. Uh, so, Dang, that's yeah. good. so there's two passages really quickly, um, a bit of the context of them. We can go into more detail another time, but basically all of that to say, uh, there is no biblical evidence for the rapture. Uh, and it's a pretty modern 
thing that's come from a fiction novel mm. um, and some really bad interpretation of the Bible. Sorry. Seriously. <laughs> but this is a good introduction to what we are going to be talking about in terms of new creation. This is the end times. Yes. And so before we jump into what new creation is and what we can expect within new creation, mm-hmm. Sophie, what are the key events that will actually bring about this transition from the time mm. we're living in now and into new creation? This yeah. next coming era. So there, there are four things that the Bible consistently talks about. So things like, you know, the false prophets and mm-hmm. the floods and all that kind of stuff. Like there is mention of that. I don't want to dismiss that. Mm-hmm. But it's like kind of one-offs and then people have caught hold of it and said Make this it is this huge everything. Thing. Yeah. But there are four things that the Bible consistently talks about yeah. over and over that will happen. So the first one is... Jesus is coming back Mm. and that's awesome. Jesus is coming back to set all things right. The thing that we don't know is when. And everybody who has ever tried to guess that has been completely wrong. And so the fact that Jesus is coming back is not about us knowing when it's going to happen, but about us being ready. Mm. And Jesus tells quite a few parables like that of like the the women and the 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 oil. oil. Um, And it's not about like knowing when it's about, okay, Jesus is coming back sometime. Let's be ready for that. What does that mean for us now? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Jesus is coming back. The second thing is the resurrection of the dead. All of God's people from Abraham onwards will be resurrected bodily and we'll see them again. Pretty crazy. So cool. Um, so we talked about that in the resurrection a few episodes ago, um, that Jesus actually paved the way through death yes. so that we can all have mm-hmm. this resurrection embodied life. life yeah. um, so that's another thing that the Bible talks about pretty consistently. The third one, everyone's favorite topic, <laughs> judgment. <laughs> in our cultural context, mm. judgment is seen as a really bad thing. And so, Emma, I want to ask you, why do you think that is? Why do you think in our culture judgment is seen as such a negative, bad thing? Well, I just think judgment is associated with things like punishment. Like mm. that's the first kind of word and picture and imagery I get when I hear the word judgment. Yeah. I think of a courtroom, I think of a judge announcing punishment mm. um, upon wrongdoing for someone. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of like being looked down upon. It's a sense of punishment or condemnation for wrongdoing. Yep. So I think there's just the natural association of judgment yep. is bad. Yeah. And so we take that idea of judgment and we put that back on God and we say yes. yep. like he is a angry father or an angry judge who's going to mm-hmm. like condemn us for all of our wrongdoing. And mm. I mean, like judgment can conjure up those kinds of pictures, but I also wonder how much we're shaped by our experience of judgment and courtrooms or even being judged by another person for the mm-hmm. way we look or, or something that we've done that we then go, well, that's how God's going to judge. Yep. And we take yep. our experience and put it back on him. Classic, but we've also been shaped by our experience of justice and injustice. So if you're a person who's living with injustice, mm. the idea of judgment is actually good news. The idea that judgment could come about and it could be fair and it could be righteous and true, that's actually good news. Hmm. If you're experiencing injustice in this world in Mm -hmm. some way, shape or form and someone came up to you and said what you're experiencing is wrong and it will not stand and that person was going to bring about judgment on evil and oppression and exploitation and violence, that's good news to the poor and to the suffering and to the vulnerable and to the exploited and the oppressed and the marginalised. What does that look like for the oppressor, right? Yes, that's exactly the challenge. I don't want to speak for everyone listening um, because I don't know everyone's stories, but in our Western culture as a whole, Mm. we don't tend to be the oppressed and the exploited. We sometimes even are the oppressors Mm -hmm. and the perpetrators of injustice. And you might be sitting there thinking, I don't do anything that oppresses another person, but like 
where do your clothes come from? Who made your clothes? Mm. And so even at a distance, we've got people in sweatshops in another part of the world being oppressed so that we can live a particular way. We can look a particular way. Yep. And so if we see, if we struggle to see judgment as good news, then we might just need to wrestle with our cultural baggage um, and realize that we are in a privileged position um, and perhaps even participate in injustice in the world. But the day of judgment is portrayed mm. in the Bible as good news. Mm. So the, the totally. people in biblical times saw judgment as being a good thing, which is really hard to get our heads around. But listen to this quote. It's one of my all-time favorite quotes from N.T. Wright. Um, he puts it like this. He says, The picture of Jesus as the coming judge is a central feature of another absolutely vital and non-negotiable Christian belief. He says, there will indeed be a judgment mm -hmm. in which the creator God is going to set the world right once and for all. The word judgment has carried negative overtones for a good many people in our world. That's what we were just talking about. But he goes on. We need to remind ourselves that throughout the Bible, God's coming judgment is a good thing. It is something to be celebrated, longed for, yearned for. It causes people to shout for joy. Mm. That's crazy. Mm. That judgment would cause people to shout for joy. Not the picture we get, Not, right? Yeah. But this is my favorite part of the quote. He says, in a world of systemic injustice, bullying, violence, arrogance, and oppression, the thought that there might be a coming day when the wicked are firmly put in their place mm. and the poor and weak are given their due is the best news there can be. Yeah. Faced with a world in rebellion and a world full of exploitation and wickedness, a good God must be a God of judgment. It just makes me want to cry. Yeah, I'm like it, literally yes. tearing up. It's Ooh. huge. And I think um, it, it's helped me reframe my fear around God coming back to judge the living and the dead, if we want to take that phrase. Right. It's like actually God is coming back to put all things right. Yes. And in order to put all things right, that includes judgment on everything that is wrong with the world. Yes. That's a really good thing. Yeah, wow. I want to live in a world without bullying or oppression Violence. and all of those yeah. sorts of things. Wow. So, yeah, I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm yet at the point where I say I'm looking forward to God coming back to judge. Yeah. But I want to live in a world where God has judged those things and they've been removed. Mm. And so if that takes God's judgment, okay. Mm -hmm. And if there are things in me or parts of my life that have participated in the oppression and violence against other people and that needs to be judged, okay. Because I don't want those be, yeah. things. Yep, totally. I don't, I don't yeah. want to do that. Um, so that was the third thing. God's judgment is definitely something that's going to happen at the end. But we don't necessarily need to see it as a scary thing. Mm. The final thing, the fourth thing, um, is the defeat of evil. Yay. Woohoo. And that's effectively what we're talking about with oh, the totally. judgment thing. Like God yes. is coming back to judge everything that is wicked and evil. And that's really what we see in Revelation 20, the final defeat of evil. And that's like the last thing that will happen before new creation is ushered in. So that's the four things that the Bible consistently talks about mm. that will happen to kind of change us from the time we're living in into new creation. Yeah. Yeah. And so if these are the events which almost signal that transition yep. into new creation, then here we are, like we're in new creation, great. But before mm. we unpack what we can really expect in new creation, what we can look for, I think we should discuss what we mean when we <laughs> say like new creation and like what we mean when we say the word new. What does the word new mean? Yeah, it's really important because in our culture, if I say to you, I got a new computer today, yeah. what most people hear or think is that my old one was bad yeah, or maybe trash. it had died. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's trash. And I threw it away. And I got a replacement. Yep. And then we take that thinking into our reading of the Bible and think that we're getting a new earth. Yes. So God's going to throw away the old one. He's going to give us a replacement. Yeah. 
but that's not actually what the word new means here. Uh, and so I think a better translation would be renewed or restored creation. Mm-hmm. So creation's not going to be annihilated or destroyed completely. The newness of the new heavens and new earth mm. is probably better understood, not as something categorically different or brand new, like brand new replacement, but as something that has been radically cleansed and purified so that it seems new again. Ooh. Yeah. So it goes through that purifying fire. Yeah, sure. And comes out cleansed and purified and so renewed or restored or refreshed. And refined. Yes. Yeah. So that means anything that was tar- was tarnishing the present creation, including sin and brokenness mm-hmm. and its effects, mm-hmm. will ultimately be done away with. And that is going to be so dramatic. Hmm. Like think about... All of the brokenness, evil, sin, suffering in our world, the process of that going through a purifying fire is going to be intense and dramatic and like kind yeah. of unimaginable. Put words to that. And yet there's a lot that's going to remain and that will be able to be restored and renewed. Right, because we're not in this, the world is bad. Yes. All of the world yes. is bad. That's not. Yeah. Yes, that's right. We're talking about that kind of last time that creation is good. God's creation is good, but there are parts of it that have been tarnished by evil and brokenness. And God is not angry at his creation. He's angry at the thing that has tarnished his creation. And God's not the kind of God to rid it completely. Yes. To get rid of the world. No. Yeah. He said it is good. And it's not that creation has become not good. It's that creation has been affected yes. by the rebellion. Yeah, distorted. Yeah. And the best evidence we have for all of this, if you're thinking, I don't know about this, the best evidence of this is what happened to Jesus. If <laughs> Paul calls Jesus the first fruits of new creation. Mm. So if Jesus is the first fruits or the prototype, then we need to look to him, look at Jesus to understand what this renewal means. Mm. Because Jesus' body, in a sense, went through fire. It went through death. Uh-huh. It was affected by it. But when he was resurrected, it was not a brand new body or a replacement. It was the same Jesus, but different. That's right. Exactly. And if we look to Jesus, like he had this real physicality about him still. Like if you look to the gospels and the stories after Mm -hmm. Jesus was resurrected, he was sitting on the beach eating fish. Like he lit a fire, cooked (laughs) breakfast. Like there was this real physicality. There was this sense of him still delighting in food, things Mm -hmm. that he did when he was like, you know, prior to being resurrected Mm -hmm. in this new creation body of his. Yeah. And yet there's this like weird part where we see and hear stories of Jesus appearing in rooms where the disciples are just locked all the doors. And so it's like, okay, so Jesus can sit on the beach and eat fish, Mm. but he's also able to like walk through walls (laughs) and just appear in rooms. And it's like this really weird, unexplainable Mm. like tension that we have to hold of, wow, if Jesus is the prototype, if he's actually what it looks like to be living in a new creation body, Mm. then we've actually just got to allow room for curiosity and imagination to be like, whoa, that is not what we're experiencing now, but there are some similarities. And so we can just say there's a lot of possibilities and we can welcome the the curiosity of new creation bodies for us. Yeah. And, and all of creation. So he's the prototype for our new creation bodies, but the prototype for new creation. So there'll be things about new creation that are similar to life Mm. now, but there'll be some things that are radically different, just like Jesus had some similar things about him, but was also radically changed in some ways. Uh, And I just think it, it does, it invites curiosity and gets us to ask the question or, or to imagine like what will new creation be like yes and what might be the same or what yes. might be similar or yes. what might be different that yep. it we don't have to stay in this well everything's going to be eradicated yeah see you later like yep. this doesn't matter right now yeah yeah totally. like oh wow i wonder what will stay similar that's really mm-hmm. cool right mm-hmm. like what is good now yes um but let's get into the nitty-gritty yep. 
What will not be a new creation, Sophie? Yes. What's not going to be in new creation? Yeah, so we, we get most of our ideas about what will and won't be in new creation from mm-hmm. Revelation 21 and 2, probably 21 and 22, some of my favourite chapters in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and there's quite a few things that uh, Revelation <laughs> says won't be around. And one of them uh, is the sea. This is blowing my mind. Yeah, you asked me before, what does that, what does like, that mean? What? <laughs> Yeah, we mean the sea won't be there. Water? What? Yeah. (laughs) So um, when I first kind of read through Revelation before I'd I'd really done any study, I was like, well, that sucks because I love the beach. Yes, (laughs) the ocean. Yeah. (laughs) I love going for walks on the beach. I love swimming in the ocean. So if there's going to be no more sea, do I really want to be a new creation? But classic Sophie thing to say, we need to get our heads into what the sea was like and represented to people in the first century. Yeah. Now, we're talking about a time and a place where people didn't go for lovely walks on the beach. No. We're talking about a time where people didn't swim. There was no recreational beach going. They thought the earth was flat. Yes, exactly. You'll fall off the edge of the earth if you swim or touch the water. That's exactly right. So if you believe that the earth is flat and has a border, and then you have a friend who gets in a boat in the ocean and goes off somewhere and never comes back. Exactly. What do you think has happened? That's right. You're a goner. Yeah. The same as if like you were, you know, you were swimming and someone drowned. Mm. And so the sea represents a place of fear, of yes. chaos, chaos, of yeah. something that can be like, can't be controlled. Yep. And so we've got to go, well, if there's no more sea, then in new creation, there's no more chaos. There's no more darkness. There's no more confusion. Out than of control. Of, yes. Fearness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's when it says there'll be no more sea, it's talking about no more chaos, confusion mm. kind of in, in that way. So that's pretty cool. That's that the first cool. thing. Second thing, um, and this is just such a beautiful part of Revelation 21, uh, it says that there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or no more pain. Mm. Uh, And if you have ever experienced grief or loss or any kind of pain in your life, like if you live with a physical ailment or um, Mm. anything like that, uh, you'll know that this is um, pretty good news for us and for creation. So Mm. probably don't need to say too much more about that one because it's just amazing. Uh, and then it also says that there'll be no more darkness and night. Now I'm a night owl. Um, I'm definitely not a morning person. I do my best I like work my when sleep. it's dark. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, oh, okay. There's going to be no beach and there's going to be no night. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Two of my favorite things. Um, I prefer shout to the Lord at this rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring on shout to the Lord. Um, but no, darkness and night. Uh, we need to again think about like first century context. Mm. Shameful evil things happen in darkness. Yes. Uh, You want darkness to hide evil deeds. And then the New Testament authors often talk about bringing things into the light and having them be exposed. Yes. And so darkness is a place for evil deeds and for just really bad things to happen. And Mm. so if there's no more darkness, there's no more need to hide. Yeah. There's no more bad things that are going to happen and there's no more shame. Like we mm. often hide away the parts of us that we're ashamed of yep. and darkness is good for that. But if everything's brought out into the light and exposed and revealed and goes through the purifying, then there's nothing left to be oh. ashamed of. And if you are living life with shame over something, again, it's just really good Horrible, news. Yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Nothing will need to be hidden. Yep. Wow. Yeah, pretty amazing. Golly me, it makes mm. me cry mm. a lot. And that's not even the best bit. <laughs> <sighs> Far out. Yeah. Okay, well, look, if those things um, describe what is not going to be a new creation, yes. then what will we see in new yeah, creation? This what is the really creation? fun stuff. Um, so three things that Revelation 21 and 22 talk about as being in new creation, and jeepers, I absolutely love these. <laughs> so this is Revelation 21. 
23 to 26. Let me read it for you. It says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and Mm. the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will the gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there, and the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Yeah. So like that passage is incredible. There's Mm. so much in there that captures my imagination, but one of them is particularly around the glory and the honor of the nations. Mm -hmm. And what on earth does it mean that the kings of the earth Uh are going to bring the splendor into new creation? The kings of the earth will Mm. bring splendor into the new creation and the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought to it. There's this Old Testament scholar called Chris Wright. Yes, he and... N.T. Wright or Tom Wright have the same last name. I don't know if they're related. I don't think so. Uh, But he's an Old Testament scholar and he has this really cool exercise that he does with people that I I love to help people imagine this. So Emma, I want you to pick a nation in the world, preferably somewhere you have been. And my question is, what brings glory and honor to that nation? So pick a nation and then tell me what you think brings them glory and honor. Uh, Italy. Okay. What is it about the nation of Italy that brings them glory and honor. Oh my gosh. I want to say food. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> best Yum. like pasta I have ever had and probably the best pizza, the best coffee I've ever had. No joke. Yeah. So absolutely amazing. All right. What's another nation? Belgium. Okay. What brings glory and honor to <laughs> I trying to think Belgium? I, can, I remember just standing in front of like this amazing church building and I was like, the mm. architecture was just like insane. Yeah. 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 Like, I can't not say that buildings weren't that. Yeah, yeah. So amazing. Yeah, there's some phenomenal architecture around the world. Um, One of the ones that I often think of is when I was in Germany and just the like amazing technological advancements and and, like this is going to sound silly, but everywhere I went in Germany, they had a uh, rubbish bin, recycling bin and had like multiple different kinds of recycling. And I just thought you guys are awesome. Like you've thought about your city planning um, and they just have um, some really amazing stuff going on like that. Wow. We could literally do this exercise oh my all day. We could oh. talk what about, about Australia. What's going yeah. on for Australia? Yeah. Like our outback. That's good. Because I was like, like, I don't know if we have much. <laughs> I don't know. Sausages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they probably came from somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah literally. We just but like, do that you think about going out into central Australia and looking up at the stars mm. um, or just some of like the amazing rock formations, even the color of the like totally. orange sand. Yes. Um, yeah, so you could you could literally Stunning. do this with any nation. Maybe yeah. you want to pause the podcast at this point like, and, and have a think about it for yourself. Yeah. I would say that we actually don't need to look too hard at the world and to think that every culture, nation, or group of people has contributed different things that make our world a wonderful place. Yes. Food, architecture, medical advancements, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. beauty of just nature and creation. There's so many things. Yeah. Here's what blew my mind the first time I heard this. What this passage is suggesting is that all of those things will be brought into new creation. (laughs) Yeah. That the glory and the honor of the nations, all the achievements, the culture, the art, the architecture, the music, the food, the discoveries, the technology, the attitudes, the scenery, 
all of the good and wonderful and beautiful things of this world are brought into the new city, into new creation. So it's the imagery of people bringing oh, gifts oh, and going, here, look what I've done. Look at what I've created. Look at what I've right. achieved. Look at the beauty that I have you know, brought into the world through my painting or my sculpture. Oh, my goodness. All of that is brought into the new creation, into new the Jerusalem. The best of each culture, the yes. best of each yep. country. Yep. And so, of course, it's refined because verse 27, yes. the very next yes. verse says that nothing shameful or dark mm-hmm. uh, will come into new creation, that it will go through the fire, that in a, anything exploitative or oppressive will be stripped away. But that doesn't leave us with nothing. No. Yeah. So, it, yes, that's the point, right? Because yes. this world is just not completely evil. Yes, exactly. And so Chris Wright, who came up with that kind of um, thing that we just did with the, mm. the nations, he calls this, and I'm going to have to say it a few times, yeah. <laughs> he calls this the accumulated cultural richness of the achievements of human civilization. I'm going to say that again. He yeah. calls it the accumulated cultural richness. So all of the cultural richness of everything that exists in the world is accumulated, is um, kind of coming together, mm-hmm. and of all of human civilization. So the accumulated cultural richness of the achievements of human civilization. So thinking about all the amazing things that human beings have created and achieved and participated in throughout mm. history, those are brought into new creation and that is the starting point for new creation. Isn't that brilliant? And it's yes. already speaking into the... Our life right now, what we do, what we yes. achieve, the way that we participate yes. in the world right now is not for nothing. Exactly. So some people think that the new heavens and new earth is just going to be this blank page or blank slate that God's going to wipe everything away and start again. So when we die, we go to heaven because that's what we imagine <laughs> and we start from scratch and that we have nothing. Mm. And, you know, we've been joking about it, but that we're going to sing the same song over and over for, you know, 10,000 years because that's the image that we've been given. Yeah. But what this passage is suggesting that that is that our view of heaven and singing the same song on repeat is an anemic or really poor vision of the future. Yes. Why would God throw away all the beautiful things that he has invited us to co-create and participate right. in, yes. in this life? Totally. Yes. And that gets me in what an encouragement to like all the creatives out there Yes. with being like, you know what, God's not just going to strip back your creativity yes. and the gift he's given yep. you. He's like, no, what? Like exactly. you take that and you run with it and that's yep. not just going to stop when you die. Like this yep. is something that's going to be involved and like, mastered to like yes head into new creation with yeah. like so but oh. like before the fall adam and eve were invited to co-create and participate in moving creation forward and extending it out to the whole earth and the new testament talks about us as being co-creators with god mm. so everything that we have created or co-created with god carries over into new creation all oh of the good things from this world are the starting point of the new creation and then we get to go forward from there And so I think that is just the most amazing and inspiring and like I want to be there picture of new creation. And to me, that is so different than what I grew up with hearing. And yet to me, I'm like, but that is the kind of God God is. Yes. From the very beginning, he's like, hey, partner with me and let's create together. Yes. And I'm like, why would he stop? Yes. Exactly. And so invite us into that. Like in new creation, we're not just going to be, you know, sitting around playing harps on clouds like there's going to be the invitation to continue to participate with god to continue <gasps> to co-create with god <gasps> what and so like i've got this like i don't know if i'd want to call it a bucket list but like this <laughs> list of things right that i want to do in my life one of them is work at bunnings same um, uh, right <gasps> but i also would love to go on like an archaeological dig and i would love to would. my most recent thing is that i really want to restore a french chateau um, and I could do all of those things in new creation. Like, why couldn't I spend a thousand years 
restoring a French chateau? And why couldn't I spend Bro. a thousand years in Egypt around the pyramids looking for old things? Like if all of that stuff, once it's been purified, once it's been refined, why couldn't I spend time doing those things? Because worship, like, sure, we're going to be worshiping God in new creation. But just like with now, worship isn't just singing. No. Worship is living our lives, giving honor and glory to God. And we do that through creating Creating. and participating with him. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine? Now I'm just thinking, I'm like, if the incredible things in which people can create right now, I feel like new creation, the creativity level in new creation is going to be insane considering this whole purifying, like, death and sin and brokenness will be done away with. Mm. Like the pureness of creativity in your yes. creation is going to be insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, my brain cannot comprehend or come up with a picture of what that would be like, but I want to be there. I'm genuinely gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> I need gobsmacked. to just smack. Take a minute. And Especially like, wow. for all like. Yeah, the creative people out there. I'm mm. just like, just pause that and just think about mm. the kind of work that you're doing right now, what you've got your hands mm. to, mm. and picture what that could look like Yeah, going forward, yeah. knowing that it's not just, you know, creating things right now for the sake of, but it's like, no, no, yeah. this extends. Yes. And so the invitation now, before we get to new creation, is to create things that will be brought into new creation. <laughs> like, how so cool, cool is that? So like, cool. that what I do with my life yes. can actually be part of the building blocks of what new creation is going to look like. That is so inspiring. I want to go create things. Oh, no, I'm just like, I'm just going to quit my life and become a, <laughs> become a, a, a carpenter. <laughs> and and I really things. will be like, Jesus. Yes. No. Yeah. It's true. Honestly. Yeah. Go create. And like, I mean, I like, I love that. I love that the glory and the honor of the nations are brought into new creation, but that's not even the best bit. Okay. Hit us with the next. Yeah, let's so the, go. The next one uh, is the healing of the nations. And this one um, is is pretty special to me. Um, you mm. probably picked up that I really, I just love justice. Um, <laughs> and so this one for me is pretty special. So this is Revelation 22 and I'll read verse one and two. Uh, so the angel then showed me the river of the water of life as crystal clear flowing from the throne of God and the lamb and down the middle uh, of the great street of the city. And on the side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree were for the healing Mm. of nations. Now, we haven't seen the tree of life since the garden. So there was a tree of knowing good and bad. And then there was the tree of life and God kicked Adam and Eve out so they wouldn't live forever eating from the tree of life in their broken state. But now Revelation brings the tree of life back and says that the leaves are for the healing of the nations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, if you think about human history, there has never not been fighting and wars between people, communities, nations. Mm -hmm. So this is like the idea that human history has basically been the history of enmity between people. It's Mm. been constant in our experience. Mm. But the new creation picture here is saying all of that is gone. And not only is that gone, but rather than having war, there's healing and reconciliation between nations. Uh So we're talking about the restoration of relationships Mm -hmm. um, and that new creation is a time and place where nations are brought into right relationship, where conflict comes to an end and peace Mm. reigns. And the cool thing is if you start with nations, then that captures all other relationships as well. Because if nations are healed and restored and reconciled, then communities within nations are restored and then individuals within communities 
all are restored as well. And so for me, this is a big picture of global reconciliation. It's insane. Uh, and it's picked up earlier in Revelation with the imagery of people from every tribe and yes. tongue and nation singing with one voice. So this is like the idea of the restoration and reconciliation of all humanity. So if you think about your own life and the relationship breakdowns that might exist between like yeah. in your family or with mm. friends um, or in like different communities that you're a part of, and then you look at the news and you see all of these nations at war, mm. This is the idea that all of that is done away with, that there will be complete reconciliation between nations, communities and people. And that is beautiful. Like I don't even know how to respond to that. Yeah. I think it's because I just I it's so hard to picture a yes. world that is like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really difficult. Like um, I watch a lot of news from around the world and, and keep up with a lot of the conflicts that are going on. Mm. Uh, and to think that that is something that's going to go through refining fire, that that won't be anymore. Wow. And that we will live in right relationship with people is pretty incredible. Insane. And again, still not even the best bit. Oh my gosh. All right. Go, go, go. The most important is probably the third one. And it's probably the most obvious. The clear teaching in Revelation um, is that when we're in new creation, the presence of God will be there. Um, That God will dwell visibly and physically with his people. um, That... And that picks up so much on like the Old Testament and New Testament language about um, God dwelling with his people and us seeing him face to face. And so I want to read probably my favorite passage of um, the Bible to you. Uh, So this is Revelation 21, 1 to 5. And it says, Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. Amazing. So this has been the desire of people from the very beginning of the story to Mm. be in right relationship with God to the point where we could be with him face to face and dwell with him. And so the key verse there is Revelation 21, three, which talks about God dwelling with his people. Um, and it's a few other places as well. And, And we've talked about this. It's the language that John uses for Jesus coming to dwell among us. It's used for the tabernacle and the temple, Mm. but here in new creation, it is once and for all fulfilled, complete. God comes and dwells with humanity. And so there's this intimacy between God and people that takes us right back to the garden where God walked with Adam and Eve and breathed his breath of life into them. Mm. It's that same kind of picture of intimacy that we will know God and be fully known by God. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we know now in part what we will one day know in full, this idea that we will see God face to face. And it's this (laughs) idea that my relationship with God now is wonderful and I'm so thankful for it, but it's fractured and it's fragmented and it's up and down because I don't see him fully. But in new creation, the divine presence of God is experienced by all people for all time, face to face, close relationship. And so again, like, what does that mean if we're going to live with God forever? Um, yeah, I, I don't really have words. I just am so stunned. Yeah, like the thought of being fully in God's presence in a way that we've never been able to experience because of the brokenness and sin and evil in our world and that all of that is going to be done away with and that we will get to create with God and that there will be healing between 
you know, relationships with people, yeah. but that we will get to see God face to face. Wow. I just feel like there are not many moments where you can make me quiet. <laughs> and I just like, I just have no words. Yeah. All I know is that like in light of all of this, it just brings a real practicality to the way that we can live yes. life right now. Yes. Like now knowing that our bodies, that our world, that this creation is not just going to be done away with entirely. Yeah. It's not going to be eradicated completely, that it's going to be purified and it's going to be refined mm-hmm. to the point where the good that's in this world right now will remain. And that changes, I think, the way that we can treat our creation. It changes the way we treat our bodies. Yes. It changes the way that we can treat the physical things of this world, mm. like here and now. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. I feel like I could go to bed. Yeah. We, we, oh. we actually had more planned for this podcast, but both of us are kind of at the point where we're speechless because it's just hit us how amazing all of this is. Seriously. And so I think we might save the implications of what this looks like to live out for another week. Yes. And leave you there with that and just encourage you to go and do some more reflection on those things. What does it look like that we get to co-create and participate and bring splendor and glory into new creation? What does it look like for us to live out of relationships now, knowing one day that there's going to be full reconciliation Mm. and to live in relationship with God, knowing that one day we will know in full what we now know in part but there's still an invitation today yes. for us to continue to get to know God and to know him more fully than we do right now. Totally. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So we encourage you guys, stay curious, mm. ask questions, keep mm. wrestling, live in the tension of yeah. this now. It's happening right now, but it's not quite yet. Mm. Stay in this space. Oh, it's a good space. We just hope and pray that you catch hold of um, yeah this story and this new creation that God is ushering in. Yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. See you later. Don't be silly. Okay, I'm not going to be silly. Oh, can we hear the music?